0: Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Deb Roberts, and I am the host for season two of the Mind Medicine Australia's podcast. Before we begin with this week's guest, a reminder that Mind Medicine Australia's focus is on the development and the use of evidence based psychedelic assisted therapies within regulated healthcare systems. We do not, though, encourage the use of psychedelic medicines outside of this context. And we do not support the use of these substances in any way that is unlawful. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only. None of the content herein constitutes medical advice. Guests' views are their own and do not represent the views of Mind Medicine Australia, and individuals need to discuss their individual healthcare needs with their healthcare providers. Thank you for listening. Um, Well, welcome to the Mind Medicine Australia podcast, season two. Um, I feel like I'm doing a Netflix series each time I say it, but welcome, Tony. Uh, I am really looking forward to our conversation today. So welcome.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate um, the invitation to come and participate.
0: And I thought, thank you. Um, um, I look forward to these conversations um, each time I do it and I feel that possibly for me, but maybe everyone else as well um, who might be listening and yourself, um, just taking about 30 seconds, um, sometimes between um, our activities uh, in the day, um, there's a lot going on in the minds, in the mental sphere. And to just be kind of a tiny bit more embodied, um, I tend to uncross my legs and, you know, put my the feet on the ground. And um, often it's it's rare I have shoes on today. I do. <laughs> Usually it's bare feet. But just to take a couple um, cleansing um, breaths out, if that feels okay, just to um, allow um, kind of stale energy air that doesn't um, serve the conversation um, at hand. And at the same time, just a sense of authenticity um, in um, how we speak about um topics that are near and dear to us, but also looking toward uh, an opportunity of um, finding pathways that suit people's um, in their pursuit of well-being. So
1: um,
0: sometimes you can, if the eyes are closed, you might just flutter them open. If you um, hopefully um, have been, depending on when you're listening to this, um, just allowing you to Uh, settle into the conversation um, we're about to have. So um, I don't know, Tony, if if you wouldn't mind starting, I thought that um, I was just thinking some of the questions often I ask relate to a a connectivity connection. And I was just wondering maybe perhaps in present moment, um, just how connected or what you feel connected to um, in this moment.
1: Everything. Everything. (laughs) um right now I I feel connected with you um I'm connected in my space I've got a beautiful space here so it's hard not to feel grounded and centered in here so I'm um so I'm I'm in a good no I'm in a very good state of mind and um I have been looking forward to this conversation uh and have no expectations about what will come up it'll whatever comes up will come up i'm sure it'll be a very organic conversation and um, and I'm, uh, I'm 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 ready to go when you are so i'm i feel i feel i feel well prepared
0: well thanks tony i think that um i've mentioned before but having uh the different um, backgrounds of people who have been um, Perhaps on the Lived Experience panel, which is how I got involved with Mind Medicine um, Australia myself, um, mm. relating more um to my sisters uh who had um ended her life last November. Um oh, I'm and to hear that. looking at psychedelic assisted therapy at the time she was in America. And that's repeated for people who listen to this regularly, but just again, that sense of um. There's commonality and connection um, around just what is possible for people um, who are suffering. And so I wondered, um, you know, which human life, you know, life is suffering from Buddhist point of view. Oh, four-legged friend, very nice behind you. Um, and I've got two golden retrievers. There's a dog in Tony's um, window. But I um yeah, I just would love to hear a little bit of background about yourself. Um, we will relate to potentially psychedelic assisted therapy in due course, but more so around your, um, just your general background, what you feel like sharing um, from, uh, yeah, just from your own standpoint, and then we'll kind, of, on. kind of hone in um, a little bit
1: more. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm the expression of life known as Tony Mance. Uh <laughs> Um, I'm a recently turned sixty year old um, I am involved in the music industry um, in a thing called mastering some uh, a, a discipline that's not very well known uh even with the internet and all the information out there. And for the lay person that doesn't understand what I do, uh, my role is to take other people's recordings. Um, which they do elsewhere, and in in the same way that people would use, for example, a bass and a treble control to alter the sound to 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 make it sound a bit more appealing. I I do that with slightly more sophisticated methodology. And this is actually my studio here.
0: Wow. Oh, For anyone not watching and just listening, this yes, it's um fully geared up. Yeah, amazing.
1: And um, and so I, I come into this room, uh, it's a very, it's a, you know, acoustically treated room um, and it's, um, and I guess it's like a, a sonic magnifying glass, I guess. You, you get to listen to things very deeply and quite intimately and um, allows me to adjust the sound of these recordings um, to, to optimize them. And also so that they will play consistently, whether it's in on a phone, in earbuds, in a car, on the radio, so that they they won't sound particularly good somewhere and not so great elsewhere, what we call translation. So that's uh, the main thrust of what I do. I've, I've also had a career in radio. I was on Triple M for the decade of the 90s. And I also do a lot of mentoring. I mentor predominantly artistic, creative kids. We'll call kids 18 to 35, seem to be the predominant demographic that I seem to attract. Um, And I'm uh, looking now at trying to, well, I have been, but now I'm putting a concerted effort into the public speaking space to talk predominantly about my life, the challenges I've overcome uh, in the hope that maybe it'll inspire people um who are finding themselves in a in a rough situation so um i'm I'm a happily married man to a beautiful woman called Connie. I have uh three children of my own, and I share another daughter uh with connie as well um I'm happy to say that I'm a very contented individual these days and have been for quite the last few years. And, um, uh, as I said before, I'm just delighted to be here to have this conversation with you and um and hopefully share a few things that may um inspire some people after they've uh, listened to this
0: uh wow um I continually say um i'm looking for another expression when I hear people speak for the first time on these um interviews, and <laughs> the words um are not uh sufficient enough, but yet the wow, um, I keep saying that almost in a childlike way of um, an incredible opportunity just to be in space, in the space, um, and sharing space and talking about uh uh perhaps even a hopeful aspect of life, which is you know, to you know thrive. And um I'm thinking of the sound aspect of with music, uh, it, which is such a powerful um, medium. Um, did you always, when you were young, take me back to your youngest self um, that you can remember? Did you always like music, or was that always a connect connection point for you?
1: Oh, it's fair to say that as far back as I can recall, I always liked music. In fact, I still think have an old photo of myself when I was a toddler with a ukulele. Um, but I think it was the most profound experience where I connected with music was I was seven years of age. My my dad had um, my dad was an avid collector of hi fi, and I used to tinker around with his reel to reel machines and and I remember listening to the Beach Boys, uh, Pet Sounds album, and just listening to it and. Again, as a seven-year-old, you, you you don't have an appreciation for the nuance and the depth of music and production and technicality, but just purely on bass level, you know, just, just the music itself and the sounds that were coming out, I was completely mesmerized by them. Uh, so I always enjoyed music as a youngster, uh, was an avid listener to the radio, constantly had music around me. And... um and I, I was fortunate that at the age of 15, I remember 15 distinctly, where I said, listen, I, I'm i going to find a career in music. I just started playing guitar. Not very well, mind you, but I realised early that I was not going to be uh, a performer because of lack of talent and lack of good enough looks um, and thought, okay, but I, need to, I need to find something. So I knew that I was going to find, I had to find something in the background. Didn't exactly know what, but I knew that I wanted to work in the music industry, and even more importantly, I realized very early that it wasn't just the fact that it was music it was more importantly about doing something that I would connect with and enjoy because I was you know I understood that a big proportion of my waking hours I was going to be spending working, you know, people are doing 40 hour week. It's a big chunk of the week. And so I thought, well, my logic told me, well, you better find something you like and something you enjoy because uh, growing up in my father's business, um, my father got me working at a very young age, which I'm grateful for because it it taught me work ethic. But I remember uh, he had a canteen in an industrial area in Port Melbourne when we had a manufacturing base back then, uh, lots of factories. And I remember distinctly the workers coming in, especially on a Monday morning, feeling completely drawn. It was like they were depressed. The weekend was over. It was Monday. They had a whole week ahead of doing something they had to do. And I distinctly remember looking at them and going, I will not end up like that. There's, you know, there's, there's no way. I'm going to end up like that. I've had to do things along the way, stepping stones towards building a career for myself. But it was, it had a very profound impact on me, watching those workers and realising that no matter where I ended up, I was not going to end up like that.
0: Wow. Isn't that, that's actually um yeah. Insightful in the modeling sense. Um, and then flipping it of like, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be here. Um, and then, and that was from 15.
1: Yeah. Uh, I so that I, age to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. 15 years of age. I'm still in high school. I knew I wanted to do something in music. My dad, you know, bless him. Um, he he had other ideas for me and uh, wanted me to pursue something in academia because he agreed that he didn't want to see me end up uh, doing work that I didn't want to do. Um, and again, this, this is taking nothing away from people that work in factories. We need all kinds of people to do all kinds of jobs, but it was just my preference that I didn't want to pursue something like that. Um, it was more important to me that I ended up doing something I enjoyed doing. Uh, my dear old dad, Um, his intentions were good. Um, He thought, you know, go to university, get your uh, degree, get a good paying job. And, uh, and music was something that I could pursue as a hobby because I would have the financial means to do it. Um, He didn't understand that music could be a career. And I still think to this day, it's really interesting when people ask me what I do. And you, you know, let's just say you're an artist. People say, Oh, that's really nice. But what do you do? Like, well, I'm an artist I know that but what do you do (laughs) so I still think in this culture
0: Mm.
1: art is not as um, understood or seen to be as valid or as valuable as um, trades or um, white-collar work or something um, that involved some kind of academic um, background it's Mm. something that people know and understand so um so yeah so I was um I was fortunate that that was something that impacted on me and drove me and stayed with me right up until I got to that point where I could earn a full-time living doing exclusively what I'm doing now.
0: Well, that in itself, I think some people, uh, you know, work for a lifetime or so to speak, you know, to then be get to a point where they um, are happy with what they're doing, but have lost that connectivity piece. And it sounds like, Music for you, luckily, the impact from the earliest age, as you said, that you can remember that connecting piece has been through your life. Um, was there ever a time where it wasn't, um, present in your life? Um, I know
1: I I often tell people that, um, because I do do a lot of artists and creatives, and I tell them, you know, you, you. you didn't choose to be an artist. It chose you. I think there's something innate in creative people Um, that it's a, it's a path that is, as I said, for many, it's something that it, cho- you know, you, you you almost like you didn't get to choose it yourself as much as you wanted to do it, but it, it's just so innate in you. It's like part of your DNA. And so you don't really have much choice in the matter. Um, of course, some people start and they move on for various reasons and, I think there's three distinct times in my life where I generally thought I was going to throw the towel in because it was just too hard because it's not an easy path. It really isn't. Um, and especially these days, it's, it's even harder, um, to make a, a living. Um, but, you know, particularly since the digital era and streaming, um, that's it, made it, I don't want to say impossible, but certainly uh, most of my clients, I can tell you now, 90% of my clients, don't make a full-time living out of music they all hold other jobs concurrently Mm -hmm. or um, they work but music is just a hobby to them but they are very invested in it and Mm -hmm. so even though they know that they will not make any money off their music they're just happy to create their art but they want to do it at the highest level and so they can look back on their life and career and say look i'm really proud of what i achieved and what i created
0: so and through that process, has it been um, the like with having children and just ages and stages in your life, um, uh, connecting peace with family as well?
1: Um, yeah, um, is it your I,
0: own baby? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, look, uh, my um, music's always been present in my life. It's always been in my orbit. I, I I don't think there's ever been a time when it has not been. Uh, as far as my family are concerned, um, interestingly, m- my three children don't have a career in music. They they're, they're interested in what I do, but none of them really expressed any real want to follow my footsteps.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and some people are surprised by that. They, they they kind of think, well, I would be doing it if it was me. I say, yeah, but they're not you, <laughs> so they don't think like you, and they have their own mind and their own interests. I think it was more important to me with my kids that I've always said to them, look, I, I don't, I don't mind what you do in life. So long as it's, it's legal, it's ethical, more yes. importantly, it's something that you love and, and I'll back you and support you in any way I can. When I, when you can show me some initiative and drive towards following whatever it is. Um, so I, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. And, um and I, and I don't feel disappointed that no one's going to be uh, taking over the, do the that. Pardon me?
0: Well, well, no, I I was just saying, and I have, I teach yoga, or, you know, yoga has been my, um, you know, how I um, earn a living. And it also is a hobby. And um, having modeling it with children, for having children, I have three boys. um, It's, interesting yeah that that you know it's not their our own path is our own path and their path is their own path sometimes it gets mixed up (laughs) so it's sometimes nice when we can appreciate that it's our love um and not necessarily that it has to be those of our descendants
1: absolutely Uh, uh, the worst thing you can do is put undue pressure on people like that um i i I deal with quite a few kids who, who i was gonna say suffer i wouldn't say suffer but they deal with the challenge also of parents who, also well-meaning as they are, are trying to encourage them to go down, let's just say, safer jobs, perhaps, yes. yeah. um, or safer career paths, uh, more familiar career paths, and uh, and and forget the very important thing, which is uh, the happiness of your child. Um, I, uh, I I I'm sure you probably have come across people like this as well, who are. Financially quite independent, have quote unquote good jobs, great careers, but are miserable because they are not pursuing what they love to do, uh, and they feel restricted, or they feel um, they're under societal pressure um, or peer pressure to to follow certain paths in life, and and they do so for I guess safety, perhaps some level of security, and in the meantime. They're selling themselves short because they're not enjoying what they're doing and I will quite often go later into life looking back on their life with regret and I, and I think one of I think one thing that I certainly don't want to experience later in life is to look back on my life and feel that level of regret and resentment because I didn't have the courage to at least attempt to do something that I love to do. I think that would be a really terrible way to come towards the end of your days, so um you know i I often tell people you know we we come into this realm with nothing and we will uh, leave again with nothing physical other than an accumulation of memories and experiences. That's all that's gonna be um so that's my currency, and that's what I'm focused on accumulating through um Again, um, connection through with people, my family, my friends, and doing things that I like to do, and and going to places and and, and trying things I've never experienced again. So, because these are the things I'll be able to look back on, um, and not you know that, that that's what counts to me, anyhow.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that the, um, in some ways, it's you, you said the, at the beginning the feeling con, you know content um, in your life right now um and in that present moment experience that's actually just it's actually nice to hear as well as talking to people that one can um yeah that one can actually say that i mean i uh i'm I turned fifty this year, and um i you know having been the year that obviously has been quite uh very difficult um having a family member who um you know has been suffering you know for um long time just like we might have different people that you mentor or in your family etc that are experiencing um, intense intense suffering to get to a point to um, that that is a choice um, that you make um, that she made and um, so that lack of contentment in a way and just being honest of um, you know most of the time contentment um, is a bit elusive bit. Yeah. it is elusive
1: I, I, I think people i think in this culture we uh, everyone's trying to chase happiness and and uh, it's a, a bit of an illusion and, and by that i mean happiness is fleeting there you you we're always again if you you know you you yourself that the american um constitutions, uh, through the, the American constitution, the forefathers promised the pursuit of happiness. Um, th- there's no end point. There's no destination. And interestingly, if we look back, or, or I'll speak for myself, but I'm, I'm sure that some of the listeners could relate to this. Any time in your life when you pursued something and you got it, um, the, the happiness of achievement is great, but then there's always something else. There's always something else. Um, one of my mentors, Peter Sage, Shared a beautiful, it's, it's, it's beautiful, which uh, story, if you will, which I'll, I'll share with your listener, and it, it had a really great impact on me. Which is, um, he talked about the curse of the white rabbit, and the white rabbit is a metaphor for what you're chasing, whether it's financial success, validation, fame, anything like that. All the things that you know, uh, likes on Facebook, followers, you you, you name it, and so. People are aware of the, you know, of greyhounds that are chasing a white rabbit, um, and you have and you have to ask yourself, well, how many times does the greyhound chase or catch the rabbit? And the answer is, doesn't, never does. And the reason is, is because it's set up that way. And that's not to say that life is set up deliberately as a conspiracy to uh, have you to things to elude you all the time. But I don't know about you, but I've never known a greyhound that despite the fact that they haven't ever caught a rabbit, ever said, you know what? Blow this. I'm over it. I've never caught that bloody rabbit. So I'm not coming back next week to go for another race. They will keep showing up and they're deliriously happy because they're born to run. That's their purpose. So in the artistic creative context, artists, creators are here to create. So, you know, there are awards you can win and tours you can sell out, but you're not always going to win awards, you're not always gonna be famous, you're not always gonna make a lot of money, but it's the process. So that so that, so to be content is the you know, it's you can be content simply by the fact that you're doing what you love to do and you're spending your days enjoying the process and learning and growing and evolving. And every now and again something great will come along that will give you that moment of happiness. But it's 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 never going to stay there. And even if it did, I'm sure that would get boring too. After a while, you know, because again, as humans, we're we're constantly wanting the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So, um, you know, when we attribute our self worth to net worth or success or material stuff, um, it, it's a it, it's a wheel it, it's a wheelhouse to nowhere. And uh, again, you you look at um, extremely successful people. I'm not saying that all wealthy people are unhappy, but uh, quite often people that have everything after a while become quite discontented with life because, again, there's, a, there's always going to be something else and something else and something else. You know, if I don't, if I got a million, oh, I need two, but in case I lose the first one, oh, then, uh, then I'll need 10 million. Oh, well, then what about, what about 20? You with me? And so th- this is just something that's just going and going and going. Um, and, and that's not a good way to live either.
0: Um, and as you're um speaking Tony you've um have you're, you're speaking with your hands and you've got um love a lot of um uh significant um tattoos through through your um at least the limbs i can't see the the rest and um it's wow if you're not looking at this is uh, i know i keep saying wow but there's a lot there I wonder whether or not, and I don't know if it's a segue into talking um, about psychedelic assisted therapy in any way, but I don't know, maybe some part of your, um, uh, the way in which the tattoos are on your, um, on the body, maybe what was the first one you had?
1: Okay. Um, I don't know if you can see, uh, I've got my nickname, Jack the Bear Bear on my, on my forearm. So that was the first um first tattoo I got. Um, Do you want to
0: tell the listeners, just for those that don't know what Jack the Bear is?
1: Okay, so so Jack the Bear
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> my logo um is a nickname that was given to me by a couple of drunks in a New York subway. Uh <laughs> way, way, way back in the day. Um and um it, I'll I'll just keep a brief. Uh, just a brief summary of the story. So a friend of mine coming home from a party, we got onto the subway and we stepped in at a point where two, um, there was two drunks on the subway. And the first thing we heard them say uh, to each other was saying, oh, don't blame me, blame Jack the bear. Now my friend heard this and started laughing. Now I was very young at the time. I, know, I, I didn't understand the significance of it. And I said, well, what's so funny? He said, "Oh, um, oh, those guys—they um, work in um, in lumber. So how do you know?" I said, oh, "Well, I know the accent. You'll get to learn the accent." He said, "And I—I um, I, I got a friend who works in lumber, and uh, Jack the Bear is uh, someone that you blame. For, so, if, for example, if if you're being accused of doing something wrong, um, and you want to shirk the responsibility, you'll say, say, oh, no, don't blame me, blame Jack the Bear.' So." That's just something that apparently the Canadian lumber workers um, would use as a mythical thing, and he, the, the 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 thing that was funny about it was he said, um, "I'm going to call you Jack the uh, He said, "Why? We're going to you know, big, big um, set guy anyway." Uh, he said, "But um, you you do you, you're you're pursuing work where you're trying to fix things, and Jack DeBear is someone you blame for getting things wrong." So he thought it was quite ironic. That, that would be a funny nickname and so it it it's kind of stuck uh um uh, to me and uh and here we are you know gee forty forty plus years later and 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 so everyone thought it was a cool name and and so I went with it
0: and how do you find you know with that um description in terms of um blame Jack the bear I don't know in a, t- a sense of um has that then followed you in life in terms of accountability, or have you? Is there anything around um, around how that name has evolved for you?
1: Oh no, not particularly. I, I again, I I I think the irony is wonderful as well that um, uh, that. And again, in in Australia, people uh, it's a very commonly asked question. People don't understand the significance of you know what Jack the Bear actually uh, means it's a very niche thing um so no it 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 it's just a name that stuck people like it and so here we are still with it today
0: and um and i mean just interesting talking about in terms of um tattoos etc uh and um i don't you know you were saying before i think i'm asking in that sense of oh is there deeper meaning in all of What people um, put, you know, on their skin as an example, and, you know, I don't know. In the modern way, at least, it seems that a lot of people there isn't necessarily. Sometimes the irony is there isn't a deep meaning. It's an expression in that moment or whatever might be going on in life. I don't know. Does that relate to you as well?
1: Well, Oh, yeah. Look, I think I'd say that roughly fifty percent of my tattoos have some kind of meaning. To me, would know, have a personal meaning, or um, um, you know, I've got, for example, my next tattoo here is one of my favourite sayings: "Just no guts, no glory." Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was aware um, as I was getting tattoos, and mind you, I got my tattoos very late in life. Uh, Two thousand and nine is when I got my first tattoo. So I was forty six or yeah. thereabouts. So that's pretty late. Uh, most people these days, kids, you know. Um, they're 18, 19, bang, they're out there getting them uh, without thinking too much about what they're getting. And I guess I'm being a little older, a little wiser, uh, but also the first guy that tattooed me, he did tell me that, look, um, as an older person, he said, uh, you want to be mindful of what you get because um, your skin's going to stretch, they're going to fade. You don't want to, you want something, you want to. He encouraged me to look at getting designs and things that, had a timeless appeal to them and that was still going to look okay as the years went on, as opposed to, you know, a lot of kids now, or, you know, g- getting certain styles of tattoo that are just going to look at, really out of date, won't age well. So uh, I, I, I'm, I feel fortunate that I had some good artists that were able to help me uh, discern. And uh, and so I, I can say in all honesty, hand on heart, <clears throat> I probably have 65% of my body covered and I don't, there's not one tattoo that I regret or there's one that I would, if you could remove it painlessly, I'm, I'm very happy with what I got. But mind you, I don't want to add any more, but um, there's certainly nothing here that I regret.
0: Well, um, it's actually really refreshing to to hear that. I think that um, especially later on in life, having, um, having um, experienced, you know, life with tattoos (laughs) and I guess I'm also intrigued by 50% kind of what I said before 50% don't have such a you know a deep or special meaning and yet it can be an expression in its own right um do you how has um well I guess whether in terms of if you want to communicate about it how has um just the, your mental health um your physical health in terms of how um that has kind of uh brought you to a point where now you're mentoring um you know people in your own industry um how has how has that affected your
1: life the tattoos
0: no no it well yeah just from a mental health point of view like in general it's a um the physicality of the tattoos is one thing but the i you know, it can also not have deep meaning or it might have, you know, as you said, 50% don't. Um, yeah, well, and it, mental it, health, how it affects you, how it has, or if it's just really.
1: Well, well, well the, the, the tattoos probably have more effect on other people who maybe judge me, perhaps, or people that don't know me, who, who see me and, uh, and may uh, think of me as looking intimidating. Um, but they haven't affected me um, in terms of my mental health. Uh if anything, probably from an appearance uh, perspective uh particularly with younger kids, I think they uh they they would look at me and they'd relate to me more, i guess yeah. uh, again, music industry particularly uh, synonymous with lots of people having tattoos um and yeah. so um but that's
0: what i and that's what I was getting at in terms of uh you know I wonder whether or not the connectivity to a younger generation. Um, but in again the arts the industry in the arts and what you're doing in music um, another aspect that isn't communicated but it's expressed by the way in which um, in which we look so that's
1: good I wouldn't say they they provide necessarily a distinct advantage or or even a a disadvantage Um, but I think I think in the context of dealing with artistic creatives um, they they'd look at me and assume that you know, yeah maybe uh particularly if they have tattoos themselves but uh I, I think these days you know lots of sportsmen have them I mean I, I mean even in the I know quite a few legal people who have them as well doctors yeah. uh, I've seen more and more police officers now with tattoos um they're, they're they're way more common uh across a broader spectrum of of society and and so i I think that we're 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 at a point where unlike the sixties and seventies, uh, there was different connotations and different assumptions made around people who sported tattoos. Um, I think the art of tattooing has certainly uh, evolved and got to a point where it really is become you know, beautiful art. And so, uh, but look, it, it, it it hasn't affected me in terms of my, my mental health at all. Um, I, I got started because it was, uh, to me, it signified freedom and, uh, i I always love the idea of being free independent, and uh not at the behest of society or a boss or anyone else that I could just do my own thing freely independently, and unencumbered by uh societal norms
0: yeah and i um you know I think that notion of freedom um rings true in so many ways um the aspect of even going back again to that feeling of contentment pursuit of happiness, um, the uh, opportunity to feel free, free within the body, free in the mind. Um, I wondered now if you'd like to just connect with the, um, in terms of how you, um, got involved with mind medicine as a lived experience, um, Mm -hmm. person expressing their truth, um, can
1: you give us a little bit of background? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so my um, my connection with Mind Medicine Australia actually came as a result of um, an invitation that was put out to people who wanted to share their experience, um, you know, with alternative methodology of of healing, and and so I had a very profound experience with that, uh, and so I thought, you know what, um, I'm really happy to talk about it and write about it and so I did and sent my story in and um, the editor whose name escapes me now but um, I was shortlisted and and after a very very minor editorial tweak um, they pretty much kept it the way it was other than a little bit of spelling and bit, but, but again um, I was delighted that of it was kept intact as I originally had written it and so um and that was that was what inspired me um I I've been very careful over the years not to go out and be some kind of poster boy about it for a couple of reasons one just because the um I had and and I can tell you without hyperbole that uh People talk about healing, being healed. And I, I can tell you um without any exaggeration that um my experience of this very carefully uh, facilitated um um therapy yeah. um was incredibly profound for me. I mean it it healed me of so much stuff that that I tried for my entire life through Um, traditional means and even some other more esoteric methodologies and all of them had had some impact but nothing as lasting as what this had had for me so I I wanted to share that story but also as I said it's easy for people to become evangelical about stuff like this and I didn't want to because um, I still believe that despite how wonderful it was for me and how effective Um, It doesn't necessarily mean it would be for anyone else to the same degree or that's necessarily the panacea. It it just happened to be a wonderful tool that did something that other things couldn't do. And uh, I feel very blessed and fortunate that it did. So, but it's still something I'm happy to talk about and share the experience with, because like with so many other things, um, People need to come to things of their own volition. People need to do their own due diligence. People need to um, go into these things with their, with their eyes open and with, I wouldn't say low expectation, or I think it's important to go into it with a sense of hope, particularly if you've gone through so many other things and tried so many other methods, and and if if nothing is really working as effectively, then it just makes sense that, okay, well, why don't we? try something different. As the old adage goes, you know, you do what you've always done, you'll get what you always got. Um, So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was a beautiful experience. Um, And still to this day uh, I feel fabulous and I'm, I feel like, you know, neurologically my brain is rewired. It's, 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 it's changed so much in me. It's, it's really quite extraordinary
0: just for those people because i know um many people have read the book um uh but if are you happy to um just give us um a little bit more background around your use of you of the psychedelic and which sure. psychedelic
1: okay. you okay so I, so obviously I'd, I'd known about psychedelics growing up i was um I had a history of being a, a drug abuser mainly cocaine for a good 30 years. So I knew about magic mushrooms, I didn't really dabble much in them, but in terms of psychedelics as a tool to heal or to to help um that first came to me through listening to Joe Rogan on his podcast.
0: Okay.
1: Quite a few years ago uh, with, DM, with DMT.
0: Yes.
1: And and Hearing stories of others, uh, again, um, understanding that it was all, you know, anecdotal. Um, uh, not a lot of studies at the time, uh, but I was curious uh, to find out more. Also in the also in the context of spirituality, because um, a lot of people were talking about doing DMT and having these wonderful spiritual experiences with it. And as somebody who has been on, for lack of a better term spiritual path or spiritually curious um, wanted to explore more in that in that domain that um, that DMT was a gateway to somehow connecting more to the to to the divine if you will Um, and so that's that was my introduction to it and at the time I um, was talking to a fellow who was a friend who again I I don't believe in coincidences in life you know uh, I believe in synchronicities (laughs) um so at the time as my as my curiosity was being aroused and I was looking into it in that context as opposed to just recreational use um uh I bumped into a, a friend who had um who was quite well versed in it uh in 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 the use and, and and you know using it but he was performing it in a ceremonial way with with you know in a sacred way with reverence with respect so I thought, okay, um, this is interesting. And and so he uh invited me to participate and um uh, went through it into a ceremony with him. Um and it was it was really quite amazing. It was um I I I got to see and experience things that I just didn't think were possible and and and, and that really set me on a whole different path. Uh now that's the healing, if you will, that, I'm, that I speak of, uh, didn't happen there. But what happened through that experience is that it 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 uh, it gave me um, a deeper understanding as to the, the, the oneness of life, and that there, there was something beyond this realm. Now, now somebody may be listening to this and scoffing at it. And look, I'm still open to the idea that maybe this was my brain playing an incredible trick on me. Okay so I'm I'm still going to be open to that but um, in the same way that um, placebo can be effective for people uh, even though nothing really happened it was just your mind uh, I, I again I'm 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 happy if it was if it just was my brain um, playing this wonderful biochemical neurological trick on me the main thing is it worked and and, it worked, and when I say it worked it 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 turned me into a karma nicer person. Didn't rid me of all my issues. Um, I still had to, I still carried a lot of monkeys on my back, but it, it set me on a different path. And so I, I just kept exploring it further and wanted to learn more about it. And, um, and, and and the more I learned, the more deeper I got into it, um, the more I wanted to, um, you know, to, to try some other things. Um, and, um, it was January of two thousand and twenty um where i had uh another very profound excuse me should have switched off my phone forgive me uh uh where i had probably the most profound experience um with uh with with medicine uh and 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 that one that that's the one that really shook me up and really just um completely uh turned my life um inside out in in, in a great way. It's like, you know, I I think sometimes you things you have to destruct some things in order to rebuild other things. And it, um, it, it it certainly did that. It really, it really shook me up, but in a positive way. Um, uh, Just, as I said, I I really believe that something happened during that, that started a rewiring process um, in my brain and, and still the same person, after it but changed me for the better and and helped me to understand things and come to terms with things um and and just be more content and happier in life just feeling so much more peaceful and at ease with everything
0: and that was um so that 2000 that was 2020 um as you Mm -hmm. said um and having uh, the psychedelic um, assisted therapy with the psilocybin and the MDMA being approved for, um, you know, two specific um, mental illnesses, treatment resistant depression and um, post-traumatic stress um, disorder. Um, how do you, by your experience, lived experience, how do you, um, what are your thoughts on how, you um, what's being done now um the i'm interested in hearing about the integration so that the medicine itself isn't it's necessarily the magic bullet um the integration after as you said um there's you're still needing to you've got the life with whatever we are experiencing whether that be monkeys on our back issues that we're dealing with etc how um if you'd like to comment on kind of now the legalized aspect of where it is in australia at the moment and how perhaps integration how your integration post that um very impacting experience has has been
1: well first of all i'm i'm really happy to hear that um we're making progress because as i said earlier i i still don't believe as much as i'm a fan I still don't believe it's the panacea. I still don't think it's the silver bullet. But I do believe that for the right candidate in the right setting done responsibly uh, and properly, it can be very, very helpful as a way to help people to help um, deal with their depression, their PTSD, anything that they're trying to rid themselves of. So that they can then function better, so that they become less triggered, or that they can integrate the experience. It's interesting because now I see challenge or my past experiences that that I hung on to and used as excuses. Um, and I and and I'm just saying for myself. I I'm not saying this for everyone else, but I use my past as an, as an excuse to become a victim. And um, it allowed me to say, well, I'm not good. I'm not, I'm a bad person because of this. And uh, I'm broken and, and live this through a narrative that was completely false. Um, but now I look back on life with, you know, exactly. My dad was a very overbearing person. I always blame my dad. You know, Just constantly anything that went wrong in my life, it was my dad's fault. And I always felt re- resentment towards him and, Whereas now I look back on what my dad did and understand that you know my dad did love me and he did care for me and he he just wasn't that well equipped to be able to get his message across and as well as my inability or unwillingness to listen to him, but now I just think, wow, my dad was a very wise man, and I'm very grateful for the lessons. It's unfortunate that um, I had to go through what I had to go through. But nonetheless, um, the, I now see them as gifts. And and even to this day, and one thing I tell kids is when we do come across um, challenge or conflict or anything that gets in our way, it's um, something good, seeds are planted for something good that will come when you come through it. I, I think we we can only grow through adversity. We can only grow through challenge. It's something that we don't necessarily enjoy but unfortunately with the way it is in life uh, uh we we need to go through some level of pain to grow and then it just comes down to your choice to decide whether that's a life lesson or not um you can choose to be a victim and uh, stay there or you can choose to go look as much as I didn't enjoy the experience um you know it, in a weird way it was there to to help you know we we live we we live in this world where we are such linear thinkers and we use such logic. And, again, you might think, well, what's, it seems a bit weird that you look at a bad situation as something good, but something good comes from a bad situation. As an example, you get fired from a job. It's not good. You're out of work. But that firing took you to another opportunity, which never would have never would have happened if you weren't fired from that job. No one wants to be fired from their job. But, again, it because we are so... Um, we, you know, the, the life, nature. There's no straight lines in nature that a man made. Everything, coastlines, rivers, you name it. Every everything is non, not straight, not linear. But we, we are trained to think that way. And ever since that experience, I've I've learned how to think in a much more non-linear fashion, which helps me to connect things better, understand things better, move through things better than than previously. Um. So th- that's been a, a very significant um change in my uh in my way of thinking. Um
0: it sounds like Tony that the um the Jack the Bear has an interesting connotation as well. Again, you know, talking about as you know, the you know, that aspect of um blame and accountability and also perhaps a wider a deeper awareness than maybe what we initially thought you know um, I think often when we do um, blame and it may be that I have picked that back out and it might have nothing to do with what you just said but it just sounds really interesting how you know when I said how is Jack the Bear kind of impacted over time and that notion of how we um, I don't I guess how we relate to our own um, lived experience and um have a yeah deeper and broader perspective of what we might say is blame um initially um there's aspect of accountability on not just one side, so it can be you know whatever parties or stakeholders are in there so um anyway, that seen I don't know if I got that
1: um no, no, I, I, not. I, I, <laughs> no I I I hear that and I uh I, I can see how you uh come with that that connection there
0: um and how do you um think from an integration point of view because you were just talking about the um you know so the post I guess I'm utilizing the 2020 experience um how you relate to the um how you relate to that now like is it still an integrated Um, process how do you look at integration whereas psychedelic assisted therapy um the idea of it is having pre and post you know sessions within that set and setting um after the dosage so i wonder how you what you think of that model and then again more so as you you really are have been explaining is how you're integrating um yeah that experience where is it you've got to go back to the dosage experience experience or is it now not necessary
1: uh in my case uh i would say that it's not necessary um the integration took some time i i would say a good 6 months for it to really uh fully sink in um and again i was fortunate that i had um my friend who took me through the ceremonies um that i could talk with him about that right um, uh and look this um this fellow that helped me um he he'd been overseas and worked extensively he worked in mexico where um um you know working with psychedelics is, um is is okay a lot of a lot of people travel to go to mexico um he had facilitated something like prior to my uh journey um over 5000 journeys predominantly with uh, veterans, war veterans, who and and also children that have been through horrific experiences with the drug with drug cartels, who have witnessed horrific things. So he was very well versed in um, in the medicine, in in the in 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 a how how to dose, how to uh, be present with you, uh, how to help you with integration, and beyond that to be able to talk about these things. Uh, so I was very fortunate that um, I had someone like him. Uh, to to be with me from the start uh, and this is why it's important to have you know uh, trained people to help you and and to help you beyond that now i don't know um whether this is you know for some people they may have to do it for the rest of their lives but less often um i know and uh, i was invited to have another um journey and i um and i and i remember distinctly um having an opportunity. And, and I, and I, I remember thinking to myself, I I don't want to be greedy with this. Um, I thought this has changed and done so much for me. I, you know, there are people out there that are the so-called, you know, psychonauts and they, 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 they get very deep into it and they dabble a lot and and whatnot. But uh, that wasn't for me. I thought it, this did what it needed to do. It's integrated well into my being when I take a snapshot of my life now, my snapshot of my life back then, it's really night and day. Why, you know, why be greedy? Why, why, why do I want to have more? Why not just be content with, wow, here we are. This has had a wonderful impact. It, it's also helped me to be able to help others, um, not with psychedelics, but just through mentoring and, to allow me to be more present with people, to allow me to share my journey to allow me and 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 again, even through my mentoring i i don 't advocate people to go and do this um, if it 's if it's asked of me about you know because again i, I don 't this is the first time i 've really spoken about this very openly in a public space, and again, not because of any uh, fear or any shame or any embarrassment, but because, like I said, um, I just want to be careful not to uh, project too much of my experience upon others. Um, I'm I'm happy to discuss it when, as as again, I was invited to write about this. I've been invited to this podcast. And so um, I'm happy to share when I'm invited in, but I certainly am um, not, I, I was not going to chase you or anyone else for that matter. So look, can I come and talk on your podcast about this? Cause I want to tell the whole world about this new thing. Um, uh, as tempting as that may be, particularly when, it, it 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 impacts you so positively. I guess it's like people that find religion or uh, reform smokers or uh, anything like that. It, 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 you know, people are well intentioned in there, wanting to share and you know, hey, get on board with this. But I also believe that um, it, it can also backfire on you too. And so, um, so I prefer as happy as I'm to share. Um, i I feel it's only best if I do so when I'm invited to
0: uh i'm i'm glad you shared that because um that notion of it being the magic bullet or the thing that um um really just changes the trajectory of one's life which you know in speaking to people that is what is um that is what on one level is coming out um, what seems to also be coming out and you saying this as well, it's not necessarily the, it's not an easy road. It doesn't mean you don't have to deal with, um, a lot of, um, I guess the circumstances of how, where we find ourselves in so that we can move through it to, um, maybe that direction, as you were talked about the direction pursuit of happiness, um, and that it is that process that, um, you know, is very important, but it's ongoing. I guess that's why I was, I'm hearing you say that there is um, an, a, a moment or moments in time whereby there was a um, significant um, sense of, I guess, wisdom being realized um, in your experience that has a, impacted life. Um, and, and would you say now, even on a daily basis, maybe you could take us through I know you've talked about your um the mentoring work and the work you do um in the uh mentoring as well as in the music space um is there how are you integrating it like would you say in real time now
1: okay well um the first thing i can s I can share with you is that um it's allowed me to live life with a lot more gratitude and uh, being a lot more present in my thoughts and aware of my thoughts. Whereas previously, um, it wouldn't take much uh, to me to be, get triggered, which then would send me down the slippery slope and, and then I would go off and I'd want to go on a two-day drug bender. Yes. Whereas now, uh, something that I see that may bother me doesn't bother me as much. I'm, uh, I'm far more capable at seeing things for what they are understanding that um, you know i i now have the power to choose my response as opposed to react um in how i deal with people um not to get sucked into um you know other people's um other people's issues or you know being online if i see that there's uh things are getting a bit ugly not to want to rub a neck and scroll through it and get caught up in it and want to, you know, get online and and get involved in, in, in this whole thing, irrespective of whether I have a, a strong opinion or not. Um, so there, there are so many things every day um, that I'm aware how much I've changed as a result of that experience. Um, as I said, I really feel that something neurologically happened and probably still is happening to me. Um that's allowed me to reset my mind and and have a different operating system in my day to day
0: wow, um, and there I go back to the wow I mean, see, um it is it's profound though for me to hear that as I am listening to you um it's interesting. it's probably a the a direction that a lot of people listening, including me. Um, would like to experience not necessarily the um, the psychedelic assisted therapy but that sense of that direction toward contentment seeing how things interrelate in a different way Um, I know that um, for me the because I haven't um, experienced the um, psychedelic Experience, Um, you know, as I said, we were looking at it for my sister um, as an as an option, Um, and I certainly would um, my own experience and lived experience dealing with depression and anxiety over many years, and um, you know, going to different um, residential clinics and medicine and all the you know the different modalities um, that I have tried um, and electric shock treatment included that I would be, I would look at, you know, at the, um, opportunity for, um, this, an option for people. Mm -hmm. Um, what would you say for people who are, um, perhaps looking into psychedelic assisted therapy, anything that you might, um, you have observed that you think is really important, as you you talked about before, um, you know, when you get the people right, like the um, the people that could really benefit from the um, treatment in the legal um, sphere I'm talking about. Uh, What about if people are um, looking at this as an option, um, any advice or Mm -hmm. um, context that you'd like to communicate?
1: Sure. Well, the, the first thing I would say is that um, I think that looking at psychedelic-assisted therapy would be um, a last resort. I, I think that if if you if you if you're in a situation where you have gone through a myriad of things and haven't found, as I did, um, something that was a that was effective long term. Um, then, then I would look at it. But I would do my own due diligence. I would try to find, um, seek people who have gone through experience and get some kind of, and while everyone's experience is subjective, I still think it's important to, to speak with people who um, have gone through it and who have perhaps um, had a history of doing well in life afterwards. I would certainly, as far as finding a facilitator, you'd want to make sure that Um, I would speak to several facilitators to find someone that you connect with someone, because it's important that you come in, you go into this feeling while it's, it can be daunting, particularly if you've never had any kind of psychedelic experience before recreationally or otherwise. um, I cannot uh, stress how important it is to feel safe in your environment, in your setting with the person that you're with. And it may mean Um, even talking to several therapists to find somebody that you feel really, because you, you, you really do go to a very vulnerable place. And so in order to allow yourself to, to, to be vulnerable um, it, it's, it's, it's incredibly important that you feel safe. And if you don't feel safe and secure and trusting in the person that you're dealing with, then Find somebody else. Now, I know there's not 10,000 facilitators out there, but I, I know there's a growing number of them. So do your due diligence, do your homework, and also understand that um, to go in with a positive mindset, but also not think that it's going to solve all your problems. Even if, as, as I said, in my case, I really feel it was so incredibly profound beyond my wildest expectations. Um, life goes on, things are going to come up, Um, and you know, it's, it's not going to be all milkshakes and rainbows, uh, from there on, but if my experience is anything to go by, um, it it will, I believe that, uh, if it, if it, if it works as effectively as it did for me, it will uh, equip you and allow you to be able to go through life, um, not without challenge, but to be able to negotiate life and the bends and the twists and the, um, unexpected things a little easier, a little better will make you stronger which will then in turn allow you to take on bigger things in life which again as you go through them and overcome them uh you become stronger yet again it's like being able to lift heavier weights in the gym you you lift a certain weight and then you go to another heavier weight it's tough it's hard but you get a personal best and so on and so on so the same with life if, if you think as challenges as the weights that you lift in the gym some similar kind of thing. so um, so th- they're the things that I would, uh, want to get across to anyone who's considering it. And if anybody is, I sincerely wish them well. I hope that, uh, anyone that does, um, go down that path and, 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 uh, it, that it, it is as successful as it has been for me. Um, and yeah, that's all I can really put out there.
0: Hello. Well, I think that the um opportunity in speaking to people who have had um lived experience one of that you just said before um looking at um experiences whereby the post treatment um so to speak or post when you had the dosage, you know, ha- are in that direction because you even said happy um you know toward the direction of the ha- you know happiness um and living a happy life I think is what you said um, you know, post, um, post the the administration of the, um, the treatment. Um, and I wondered whether or not, um, and it's slightly just before we, um, go kind of toward the end of the interview, I wanted to know in terms of modalities, um, that you, I guess, if you could do this in two ways, one was what are the modalities before, I know we've talked about, um, some Mm -hmm. aspects but what modalities had you tried before that didn't work Mm -hmm. um eventually and then what you think is now um kind of in your daily routines perhaps um of what modalities do work okay aside from the psychedelic assist the the drugs themselves Mm -hmm. um prior to the 40 years old when you were had um when you came into this space, what other modalities
1: sure sure okay well uh all all, all your classics um psychiatry, psychotherapy, uh, bowen therapy, uh, voice dialogue therapy um, uh, all you know varying kind of just different uh, oh you know just you your, your regular sort of drug counselors um all all the way to sound healers and crystals and um you know you know just varying other esoteric uh you know kind of um you know past life regression therapy um so there was a lot um that i tried and, and as i said i um, this I, I felt that uh, psychedelic assisted therapy was my uh was my last resort because i thought okay well I don't know what else there is out there that I could do that was, um, a- available. Um, and so I, I went down as far as, you know, what, you know, what works again, it's, 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 uh, I, I know it worked for me. Um, but again, it's such an individual thing, you know, um, for some people it might be psilocybin other people may be MDMA. Um, um, you know, in my case, it was uh, DMT or something completely different, but, um, but I I think that it's such an individual thing. Um, And again, I can't stress some, I, I don't think it's necessarily just the medicine as much as it's the integration, because that that's where you put everything together. That's where you, that's where you connect the dots. That's when you can make sense of things because while you're in it, as beautiful as it can be, it can very easily be forgotten. And so, um, you require to have that process to try and relive it in ways and 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 bring things together and then practice. I, I remember distinctly when I after I had my um my ceremonies with my with my shaman, um I said, Oh wow, that was amazing. I said, oh, you know, and, and I was very euphoric and I said how how do I know this is going to work? He said, you'll know. You'll know. And and by that he meant something's gonna happen to me where I'm gonna notice a difference and he was right he was absolutely right because I remember like something did happen um where previously and 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 I just thought wow that's that's amazing i like i i I just had this thought in my mind, and a month ago, I know that this would have just set me on a loop and and it didn't and it was nowhere near as um it was nowhere near as bad for me not that it didn't affect me but it just didn't affect me as much and so that got me in, into again uh, you know being able to integrate this and then learning that you know we we learn habits through repetition you know and 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 through awareness so uh, as i learned to become more aware and 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 practice these thoughts and practice you know to the point where i became unconsciously competent where i didn't have to think about it anymore you know mm-hmm. just just knowing that oh okay i'm i'm now i got a new blueprint, you know, so, um, so that was a process. Um, and, and I think that's, that is probably more, imp- more important than the actual going through the experience the experience is important and required and the catalyst of things, but unless you can have the facilitation to help with the integration to, um, to help you um, reset your, your thoughts and your actions and your habits then um that in and of itself and alone is 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 going to be um short term and fleeting well i know
0: that um how uh, you know we started communicating today around um just that the aspect of um suffering um and it sounds like degree of suffering um was Significant, and yet your pursuit didn't you kept pursuing you know the reason I ask about other modalities and thank you for sharing with that is that when it there are so many um that there's a there's a pathway that shows there's breadcrumbs of how much even though there is suffering, how much we want to um understand suffering better. And to be able to live with suffering doesn't. So you can be content. Perhaps you might have a, pin, a opinion on this, as you said at the beginning, feeling generally content um, in your days, which was actually really, as I said, refreshing for me to hear um, you say that. So it, that was very impacting, you know, to me personally, um, and that there's a just a greater perhaps a greater understanding. Um, when we, people have had a history and of really trying many different pursuits. Um, And I suppose people who are listening as well, um, and you've clearly said this, there isn't one right path and um, what works for one may not work for another. And to really, as you said, many times doing due diligence, Um, but you really offer, you do offer a sense of hope um in what your story you know what your story is and so that's why in talking about those other modalities and i know you talked about drug use um as well um you know if we can really look at how much suffering there was going on to pursue all those things then you can also and this is my roundabout way of coming back to this is you know people who are suffering so much and can't find another option We'll take that, including my sister who, you know, and we know that um, that Mind Medicine Australia exists literally to reduce suicide and suffering, Mm. Um, which is why I'm, you know, I'm involved in how I come to this moment in time talking to you. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have any other comments that um, related to what I've just said or anything else that hasn't been asked Um, of you that you would like to share
1: uh no not particularly um i guess all i'll just say is that i'm i'm grateful for the experience i've had and that uh i sincerely hope that anyone that has taken the time to listen to this uh has taken something away from it and given them a sense of hope and um i and i'll be very happy as i mentioned earlier on i think it's a good idea to as part of your due diligence to speak to people with who've actually, actually been through experience and had a positive experience. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to avail myself to anyone that who wishes to contact me um, and ask questions uh, again, uh, not because I want to promote or, inc- or you know, tell people what you must do, but just to simply share my story and ask and answer questions. If, if, if people are curious enough, then I'll certainly uh, be happy to do that. In the hope that maybe I can allay some fears or clear a few things up or or just help in any way um, that may be beneficial.
0: Well, thank you so much for that, Um, Tony. It seems as though the, um, I don't know, you talked about the monkeys on your back. Um, I can't see any. Um, monkeys on your back, I see a beautiful dog um, who has <laughs> jumping behind you, um, which is and I've had two um, golden retrievers who kind of sit with me when I do the interviews and you probably might have heard in the distance listeners might have heard the barking so there's certainly sound um, sounds um, from interestingly a different you know instead of monkeys on your back you've got actually a it looks as though a very loyal companion. Um, oh, oh uh-huh.
1: absolutely! And and look, there there are monkeys. The monkeys still coming from time to time. They're just not as big and as heavy. Um, you know, I, th- I think one of the mistakes people make, you know, that we, people talk about shadow and the dark side, and where the yin and yang. You know, there's a dark in the light in all of us, and and I think it's just being able to understand that the the, the darkness can still be there. But it's, I'll give you an analogy. Imagine that you're living in an apartment building, and you live with a neighbor who we really, they're scary. You don't like them. They make you feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, you don't have to make them the best friend and, and uh, pretend they don't exist and live in some kind of delusional land of uh, everything is all love and light. And, uh, you know, you, this, this person, you're going to bump into the elevator uh, in the foyer. They're going to be there. They're not leaving. You know, you know, if you live in this building and they're in this building and you're both there and you're both not going to leave, um, you're going to have to live with this person and you're going to have to learn how to integrate your life with them in the same way, your, your troubles that they, they don't, your memories, um, your experiences always be there. The the difference is, is that you understand them for what they are. They, you put them in a different perspective. They have a different context. And as I said to you earlier on in, in, you know, in a, you um, know, in a weird kind of way, I'm now grateful for some of those experiences because I wouldn't be who I am. To, had I not gone through them, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be able to speak about them in the way I speak about them. Um, so I can sit down with someone and authentically connect with them, feel empathy for them, and, and and help them know that, look, I get it. I've been there. Albeit the experience is a bit different, but the themes are whether it's feelings of shame, lack of self-worth, um, self-loathing, um, post-traumatic stress, um, that I've come to the other side of it um, and I've learned to understand that those things, um, life wasn't out to get me. There, there is no conspiracy by the universe to make your life terrible. Um, if anything, I think the universe is here to support you. It's up to you to decide.
0: Well, I think that that's a very poetic, um, clear, concise um, um... Opportunity to finish on that note. So, thank you, Tony. Um, I hope that the conversation perhaps um, can continue um, as these uh, medicines are becoming available. I think the industry um, itself is um, changing as we, as it, you know, literally by the minute, um, and trying to get this um, the therapy in a. Um, Embedded in this health system, the social system, um, our community, in a way that um, you know really makes an impact on the statistics that we, you know, in terms of suicide, suffering, etc. But also with that, I guess perhaps greater awareness and understanding of living with suffering, as well as we pursue happiness.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you, Tony. You've been a delight to.
1: To listen to sincere oh, you're, I- very, you're very welcome as I said uh, I I wanted to jump at the opportunity in the hope that uh, maybe someone will hear this and maybe create a pivotal moment for someone um, and if they feel that they are somewhat helpless and hopeless that um, there there is always hope and um, again n- n- not through any kind of rhetoric. Through actual lived experience, um, so yeah, it's, it's been it's been wonderful. I've I've enjoyed our conversation.
0: Thank you, Tony. I um as um I have one more. I think one more of the first of the um you know the the first when someone you love passes. Um, the first of everything in that year um, is. Uh, kind of heightened more it seems um as it, from what i've heard i haven't had a sister pass away um but coming next month um to being a year um what you have just articulated um yeah it really touches a deep chord so thank you
1: no, you're welcome uh, um oh yeah. okay yeah. As far as the uh, the medical stuff, uh, it was probably in my 30s um, that I was told that I, you know, that I chronic depression, and then I was bipolar. At one stage, there was talk about the that, that there was possibility that I may have had multiple personality disorder. I mean, uh, I mean, they f- just felt to me like they were just almost taking pot shots. It's interesting the word diagnosis, right? Because it usually, you know, uh, gnosis is what uh, dia meaning half, I think, and gnosis knowledge. So at best, it's a 50-50 bet, you know. What I mean, diagnose. I think people mistake diagnosis with conclusion. You know that it's definitive. Um, um, and, and 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 it felt like that to me. Uh, that you know, I'd sit there and they talk to me, and then they just kind of think, okay, well, this kind of fits in with what the tech, what the handbook says. Uh, so you fall into this category, <laughs> you know, and and it, and it seemed to change over the years from this to this to this. So, um, yeah, I um, yeah. Anyway, like I said, I I, I think I think depression, anxiety, had been had had been a constant, you know, during the majority of my life up until I went through this experience, and and these days I I don't I don't say. It, it, and then maybe this is semantics but you know i don't even i don't even like the language of um i'm depressed uh, like again a label um yes. you know um i'm just someone who is currently experiencing some depression or i'm currently going through a little anxiety yeah. uh, and and again i think when you tell yourself that and you're consciously aware of the language that that helps because when you when you say that i am this then it's like painting yourself into a corner and then it's easy to find ways through your previous experience to say, well, you know, well this happened. Well, of course I'm depressed. Well, no, of course, of course, that that makes sense. (laughs) And in a weird way, as I said, I, I know it may sound a bit harsh, but could also provide an excuse to say, well, it's pointless me moving on because, well, I'm on a lost course because Here's the evidence. Here's, you know, going through your reticulate activating system, you know, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. So well,
0: I, I appreciate you sharing that because, um, you know, some, I feel like perhaps the paradigm, I don't know what you, um, if you're happy to speak on this, in terms of the paradigm around even the diagnostic, even the psychedelic assisted therapy, of course it is for two different diagnosed you know, um, conditions. Um, I hope in time that that might change with legislation in terms of serving, um, a much, you know, wider cohort that suffers, but I wonder what your thoughts are on the, um, you know, some people like a, uh, a diagnosis as an, then to identify with, and then that supports them that are not this. I remember someone was saying that, um, With autism, you know, everyone called me um, a weird horse my whole life until they realized. Until I, they realized, and I was told I was a zebra. Mm. Uh, You know, Mm. in this, if this is human suffering, and yes, there's a spectrum. How we might better, um, you know, if one in two people have a mental uh, episode illness. Um, diagnosed as in their lifetime, potentially, um, or one in four, even whatever, the, how we're looking at the statistics, maybe it's a different um, pathway of understanding um, suffering. I don't know what you, um, what your thoughts are in that regard. Yeah, but no, I, like no, I... young people, especially young people, um, yeah, who, who, the, where these feelings, experiences might be new to them.
1: Yeah, no, look, I agree with what you've just said all there. Um, I think it just requires people to help people understand, um, you know, where they're at and um, to uh, help them not identify with those things, you know, that everything's a temporary state and that it all it all serves a, a, a weird purpose, you know, something that you don't really understand in the moment. It doesn't make sense logically. Uh, but until someone can sit down and help you uh, uh, unpack it and, and with the passage of time, you know, they say, you know, I, I tell people I've got three PhDs in hindsight, you know, but it's, it's only until, you know, I, I, I go further down the track and then I, I've got to frame a reference to what was and what is that I can say, oh, okay, uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. all right. This actually makes sense now. I'm, I'm sorry I had to go through what I, what I went through, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Identity is very powerful. It's something uh, even in I was someone that I've released a lot of weight. And I was once upon a time I was 180 kilos, 170, sorry, and um, and I um, you know, I got rid of all this weight, and I remember, despite all the effort and going up and down and losing weight and putting back on, the the game changed for me was understanding that I had to identify differently. You know, once one, once I told myself. Um, that I was a fit and vibrant person, not in it. And I'm not saying this in the fake it till you make it. It was just understanding that, um, you know, I, I was currently experiencing being obese and it was going to be temporary because now I identify as being a, a fit, happy, vibrant person. And through that identity, I like, okay, so I identify this way. So how does such a person live their life? Oh, well, they do this, 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 and this. And through the repetition to create the new habit to create the new neuro pathways all of a sudden i didn't have to think about it anymore you know i just just lived life differently because i i started doing things differently and consistently to a point again just this stop having to always be conscious about things and then just being unconsciously that person you know molding myself into that person but it all comes with my thoughts around who i was and how i you you know i mean like people that say they're non-smokers when you're a non-smoker it doesn't matter how even if you know when people say i'm a reform smoker or i'm 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 giving up that still opens a doorway somewhat to potentially maybe slipping up or allowing yourself to be okay because as opposed to if i'm a non-smoker i'm a non-drinker that's it You, you just you just you just don't because that's who you are. It, it's it's firm. It's it's concrete in your mind, in your identity. So anyway, I really yeah. got to get back. i to get back to work.
0: No, when the uh, life goes on. I've got the um, dog who's um, saying um, goodbye um, as well. Goodbye, uh, <laughs> They're very helpful. These dogs. Thank you.